This is Steve Hiles welcoming you to episode 37 of the Teacher Rockstar podcast, a place where tips and strategies critical to the new teacher are discussed. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the responsive classroom philosophy, strategies, practices, and principles. But before we start today's episode, a quick word from our sponsor. Would you like to supercharge your classroom management skills? Well, if you're a brand new teacher, a student teacher, a teacher returning back to the classroom, or perhaps a seasoned teacher with years of experience for that matter, the Teacher Rockstar Academy course is for you. Gain the confidence, the skills, you'll need to crush it on day one and beyond. Enroll now at TeacherRockstarAcademy.com. That's TeacherRockstarAcademy.com. This will be a transformational experience, I guarantee you. Okay, let's dive right in. The hardest part of being an educator is not to teach your students the curriculum, but to make them realize the core values that promise success in school and beyond. Students need to learn a set of social and emotional competencies, cooperation, assertiveness, responsibility, empathy, and self-control, and a set of academic competencies, such as academic mindset, perseverance, learning strategies, and academic behaviors. Responsive classroom is an approach okay, uh, to teaching based on the belief that integrating academic and social-emotional skills creates an environment where students can do their best learning. The responsive classroom approach consists of a set of practices and strategies that build academic and social-emotional competencies. This approach works well with many other programs and can be introduced gradually into a teacher's practice. Now, to kickstart this episode, let's talk about the seven guiding principles that you can take your classroom towards success beyond the academic setting. Okay, here we go. Number one, morning meeting. Okay, very important here. When you work in a corporate environment, let's say, morning meetings are part of a normal day's routine. People get together with their teams to discuss the tasks of the day. If there's nothing important to discuss, they just sit and talk for a few minutes before starting their day. Now, this principle, okay, has similar outcomes if it implemented in a classroom setting. Gathering as a whole class each morning to greet one another, share news, warm up for the day ahead. By sitting together and talking about the day ahead, discussing known challenges like a quiz, an exam, or a new chapter, students jump start their day. It helps divert their attention from home to processing their day at school. Classrooms that start their day with a morning uh, meeting uh, led by their teacher perform better from the start of the day than of those who just jump straight into classwork. Okay? Now, number two, rule creation. We are social animals, and having rules is what makes us civilized, but general rules are often not enough for proper functioning of a classroom. As much as the rules are important in the classroom, it's also important that the student play an equal role in the rule creation for the class. The problems they face and their opinion based on their point of view, helping students create classroom rules ensures an environment that allows all class members to meet their learning goals. It adds responsibility on the students. 
They feel like they are more an integral part of the system, therefore they become accountable for their actions. They make the rules, hence the respect for the system develops for what they have created for themselves. Moving on to number three, interactive modeling. We believe what we see and certainly follow those rules uh, that we see others or someone more in power implementing. Teachers who spend more time and effort in adapting to the environment they have set for the class see a higher success rate when they expect a certain behavior from their class. The students also look forward to suitable responses to their questions, requests, and actions. Uh, teaching children to notice and internalize expected behaviors through a unique modeling technique. In traditional modeling, the teacher shows children how to do a skill, routine, or procedure, tells them what to notice, and expects that they will learn it immediately. Well, on the other hand, interactive modeling also shows children how to do the skills, routines, or procedures, but it goes well beyond that basic step. Students also learn exactly why the skill, routine, or procedure is important to their learning and the respectful, smooth functioning of the classroom. Students are asked what they noticed about the teacher's modeling rather than uh, be told by the teacher what to notice. They also see a few classmates additionally model the routine or procedure after the teacher's initial modeling and practice the routine or procedure right away and receive immediate feedback and coaching from their teacher while they practice. The distinctive steps of interacting, uh, or I should say interactive modeling, incorporate key elements of effective teaching. Okay, you have like modeling positive behaviors, engaging students in active learning, and immediately assessing their understanding. Research shows that when we teach in this way, children achieve greater, faster, and longer lasting success in meeting expectations and mastering skills. With interactive modeling, children create clear, positive mental images of what is expected of them. They do the noticing themselves, which builds up their powers of observation and their analysis and communication skills. In addition, because they get immediate practice, they gain quicker expertise and stronger mastery of the procedure or skill being taught. Use these seven steps to implement uh, interactive modeling, okay? Briefly state what you will model and why. Two, model the behavior exactly as you expect students to do it, the right way, not the wrong way, and without describing what you're doing unless you need to show a thinking process. Step three, ask students what they noticed. You may need to do some prompting, but children soon notice every little detail, especially as they gain expertise with this practice. Step four, invite one or more students to model the same way you did. Again, ask students what they noticed the modelers doing. Have all students uh, model while you observe and coach them. Provide feedback, naming specific uh, positive actions, okay, uh, as well as redirecting respectively but clearly when students get off track. All right. Okay, uh, let's move on to point number four. Uh, let's see here. What we uh, say to students and how we say it, would you agree it's one of the most powerful teaching tools? Through careful use of language, we can support students as they develop self-control, build their sense of community, and gain academic skills and knowledge. 
The responsive classroom approach offers specific language strategies for various areas of teaching. Um, I might say that these uh, strategies range from asking open-ended questions that stretch children's thinking to using respectful, reminding, and redirecting language when children's behavior goes off track. Use words and tone as a tool to promote children's active learning, sense of community, and self-discipline. Let me share a few guidelines, uh, uh, strategies, if you will, to become a better vocal representation. But before we go into that area, another quick word from our sponsor. Uh, just imagine having access to educational products, instructional videos, uh, teacher podcasts, and articles worth over $1,000 for just pennies a day. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? And you know what the best part is? You get a free seven-day trial. So really, what do you have to lose? Go take a look, look around. All you simply have to do is go to myteachermembership.com. That's myteachermembership.com. Now, I'm going to be uh, adding more products each and every month, uh, consequently uh, more value. Uh, and I have to tell you, you're going to love being a part of this teacher membership community. Okay? So, uh, let's move on here. Be direct and genuine. All right. Uh, when we say what we mean, okay, when we say what we mean and use a kind of uh, straightforward tone. Children learn that they can trust us. They feel respected and safe, which helps them develop self-discipline and take the risks that are necessary for learning. Now, many of us slip into using indirect language as a way to win compliance from children. Uh, let me tell you, though, sarcasm, another form of indirect language, is also common in the classroom. For example, when a teacher says, John, what part of put your phone away don't you understand? The students laugh. And the teacher thinks she has shown that they have a sense of humor, but but that uh, but they embarrassed John, okay, and diminished his trust in them. So even though other students laughed, they too might feel less trusting of the teacher, no longer seeing them as a protector, but as someone who has the potential to use words in a harmful way, or a hurtful way, let's say. It would be more effective for the teacher to directly state, John, put your phone away. If he doesn't respond, then it's time to try another strategy, such as the use of logical consequences. Okay. Uh, the next thing, convey faith in children's abilities and intentions. Our language shapes how children see themselves in our world. When our words and tone convey faith in children's desire and ability to do well, the children are more likely to live up to our expectations for them. Okay, like here's an example. When everyone is ready, I'll show you how to plant seeds. You can look at the chart to remind yourself of our ideas for good story writing. Um, show me how you will follow the rules in the hall. These words said calmly in an even voice communicate a belief that children want to and know how to listen, cooperate, and do good work. The students then come to see themselves as respectful listeners cooperative people and competent workers and are more likely to behave accordingly and when they do behave positively it's important to take the time to notice and comment on it naming the specific behavior okay now major point number five logical consequences okay 
Responding to misbehavior in a way that allows children to fix and learn from their mistakes while preserving their dignity. Logical consequences are one of those strategies. Depending on the child and the situation, teachers might combine a logical consequence with other strategies or they might uh, use more than one logical consequence. Okay, now I'm going to go ahead and point out some of these. Uh, for example, you break it, you fix it. This type of logical consequence is used in situations when something has been broken or a mess has been made. Whether accidentally or intentionally, the consequence is that those responsible for the problem take responsibility for fixing it. Teachers use this type of logical consequence when they see an opportunity for a child to solve a problem he or she caused. Uh, another point, loss of a privilege. This type of logical consequence is used when children's behavior does not meet pre-established expectations. The consequence is that the child loses the privilege of participating in an activity or using materials for a brief time, usually a class period, or maybe even perhaps a day. What's taken away must be directly related to the misbehavior, though. Okay, And the teacher must make sure that the child truly understands and can live up to uh, the expectations. Teachers use this type of logical consequence when children defy, test, or simply forget the rules. Now, another thing I want to address here is positive timeout. Um, this type of logical consequence is used when a teacher believes that a child needs a way to calm down and recover self-control. The consequence is that the child moves to a pre-established place in the classroom, takes time to regroup, and then rejoins the class once he or she has calmed down. Teachers use timeout to keep minor misbehaviors intentional and accidental uh, uh, from escalating um, and becoming disruptive, you know, and to give children opportunities to practice strategies they've learned for regaining self-control. Because many children have experienced punitive uses of timeout, it's important for teachers to explain that timeout simply gives them the time and the space we all need sometimes uh, to get ourselves back in check when we, you know, when we begin to lose our cool. So I just wanted to share those things with you there, okay? Uh, now, major point number six. Remember we said there's a total of seven. Uh, guided discovery, okay? Introducing classroom materials using a format that encourages independence, creativity, and responsibility. One of the goals here is to get kids interested in the material, right? One way teachers do this, particularly with younger children, is to create a mystery. This engages children's thinking and helps them see a familiar, uh, or to, to see familiar materials with fresh eyes. But materials don't always need to be hidden inside packages, and in, introductions don't always need to take the form of mysteries. Okay. Another goal is to, to build a common knowledge base. To do this, teachers use open-ended questions that encourage children to think about their past experiences with the material and to share current observations. Questions such as, how have you used dictionaries so far? Or what might be in this box? What are your clues? What do you know about markers? And closely look at your ruler. What's one thing you notice? Are all examples of open-ended questions. Open-ended questions are the heart of guided discovery occurring in every step. Now, let's go ahead and take a look at the last major point, number seven, is academic choice. Now, I find this to be really interesting um, and important as well. Um, 
at any rate, a key responsive classroom strategy is academic choice. Um, when teachers use academic choice, they decide on the goal of the lesson or the activity, then give students a list of options for what to learn and or how to go about their learning in order to reach this defined goal. Used well, the strategy breathes uh, energy and a sense of purpose into children's learning. When students have choices in their learning, they become highly engaged and productive. They're excited about learning and sharing their knowledge. They're likely to think more deeply and create uh, creatively, work with more persistence, and use a range of academic skills and strategies. In addition, research has generally found that children have fewer behavior problems when they have regular opportunities to make choices in their learning, a finding supported by anecdotal evidence from teachers. Well, my friend, this brings us to the end of this episode. I want to thank you for listening to the Teacher Rockstar podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hiles, and we hope, again, you've enjoyed these tips and strategies on the responsive classroom. You know, when you get a moment, uh, I'd like you to visit my blog and subscribe to my newsletter for the latest educational research, uh, best practices, and unadvertised bonuses. All you simply have to do is go to Steve's Classroom Resources dot blogspot.com that's steve's classroom resources dot blogspot.com and don't forget to subscribe to us at the teacher rockstar podcast and if you'd like to support us please feel free to share our podcast with others uh, post about us on social media leave a rating and review that would be awesome thanks again and we'll see you same time same place next week and remember my friend you got this